Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real-life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie-cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Do you know why this is called the Galveston Diet? Literally no clue. The creator of this diet, her name is not Galveston. <laughs> it's nothing to do with that. Um, Galveston is in Texas. Okay, so when I was researching the lady that created this diet, her name is Dr. Haver. She's an OBGYN in Houston, Texas. Okay, so I used to kind of live by Houston, and Galveston is like the closest beach, so people do a lot of weekend trips to Galveston. So maybe she is playing off of the South Beach diet. Oh, okay. (laughs) She could never. A girl could never be the South Beach. That's the OG diet that ruined all of our psyche. Do you, did you ever have the South Beach bars? Did you ever eat those? My mom did. Yeah. She so ate all that stuff. This was like in high school for me. I remember finding the South Beach bars in the cereal section and being like, oh, these are great. Like this. And they tasted absolutely disgusting. <laughs> oh, like abs- it, it was like cardboard with a little drizzle of chocolate on top, but I ate them because I thought South Beach diet, give me those abs. Well, the cool thing about this diet that I've noticed is that she doesn't have like a big supplement bar line. Mm. She does use whole food. So maybe we should back up and tell people what we're even talking about. The Galveston, is it Galveston? Galveston? Galveston. Okay. The Galveston diet. This is a diet specifically for women who are going through menopause. Mm -hmm. It is a diet to help with symptoms, to help with the weight gain that people often experience when they go through menopause, the hot flashes. So it's really tailored to a specific person, not just everybody. The South Beach diet was just a low-carb, all-across-the-board diet. Yep. I came across this because I had two clients in one week ask me about it. So I thought, okay, it's time for us to bring this up and talk about it. Yeah, so she has a website, and that's where I got a lot of my information. I Mm -hmm. clicked a few links and just kind of read around some form boards to see what people's experiences are. But it's not a very popular diet yet. There wasn't a whole lot of information On her website, it talks about the doctor who created it. She's an OBGYN, Dr. Haver, and her words are that she cracked the code and found an innovative solution that actually works. The Galveston diet helps women in menopause lose weight, burn fat, and feel more confident in their skin. She calls it a natural weight loss program. I don't argue that it's a natural weight loss program because there aren't any supplements, fat burners, or weird things. And right off the bat, I'm going to say that's a pro for this diet. Usually that's what I want to poo-poo on diets for right off the bat is when they start to sell me a bunch of crap. This doesn't seem like the most gimmicky diet I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they're not selling bars, shakes, shots, or 500 calorie diets, which I like. In fact, on her website, the only supplements that she was suggesting or selling directly from her site was a vitamin D and omega-3 bundle and then some kind of fiber supplement. Okay, That was literally it. There Mm -hmm. was nothing weird, no fat burners. And with those supplements, that's just fine. There's a lot of people that we'd recommend taking that. The fiber we could talk about because Mm -hmm. this diet is 
really high in fiber already, mm-hmm. but because it also seems to be a bit low calorie, that extra fiber supplement might help people meet their minimum needs. Cool. Yeah, in general, to me, it seems like more of a Whole Foods-esque, not the store, but Whole Foods meaning food that comes from the ground, type of diet with keto elements and intermittent fasting elements kind of all woven in together. So there's like that, not necessarily plant-based, but a big emphasis on eating plants with lean proteins, high fats, but not like the bacon sausage type cheese type of fats, more of the olive oil, avocado, those types of fats, pretty low carbohydrate and only eating within an eight hour window. Yeah, that's exactly what I found too. Looking at her website, she enlisted a bunch of recipes and you can buy a recipe bundle. And then she offered a bunch of them for free. I'll be honest, none of them were really overwhelmingly exciting recipes. They were all really simple, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And looking through them after the first page, I saw exactly what you saw. It was very low carbohydrate, but still high fiber because there were so many vegetables. Mm -hmm. In fact, the only real starchy-esque carbohydrates I saw were lentils. I saw one recipe that had lentils. Uh, I think I saw another one that had quinoa. Mm -hmm. But most of the things used cauliflower rice and they had some kind of lean protein and a plethora of vegetables. So you're probably going to be farting a lot on this diet, (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, mostly no grains, no breads, no processed packaged foods, no sugar and that kind of thing. So if you're following anything like that, whether it's like the Whole30, whether it's a plant-based diet, whether it's the DASH diet, all of these diets, the Mediterranean diet, which focus more on those whole foods and less on the processed foods, you're going to be a healthier person for doing that Mm -hmm. overall. One thing that I was thinking about when I was weighing the pros and cons of this diet and if I'd ever recommend it to somebody was how whoever starts this diet really needs to think about what their baseline is. Because I can see somebody looking through this website, reading all the information, getting really excited about it. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, I can fast for 16 hours and ooh, I can get rid of all these carbohydrates and it looks so fresh and it looks so quote unquote clean. But if you're somebody who's eating the standard American diet, like you are going through Wendy's for dinner, you're going through Starbucks for breakfast, you're just grabbing whatever you can find, crackers, cookies for lunch, this is going to be a really hard diet to transition to because it is, it's restrictive and not, it's a restrictive diet, essentially. It's going to take a lot of prep. It's going to take a lot of thinking ahead. So if you're the kind of person who is not even close to what this diet's recommending, you're hardly eating any vegetables, you're relying on a lot of convenience foods, I would say easing into this type of eating would be really beneficial. And also if you are not intermittent fasting for that long, not jumping from eating in a 14 hour window to an eight hour window if you even get that low. And if you're super experienced in trying a bunch of different diets, this is almost like combining Whole30 with keto and intermittent fasting. So it's like all of those things brought together into one diet, which if you've ever done Whole30 before, at the end of that 30 days, you can't wait to just go buy food because you've done so much prep work over the 30 days because nothing can come from a box or a bag and there's so much at-home work to do with that, which is great. I love getting people into the kitchen, but I find that people do that Whole30 and then they can't wait to get off of it. And so not only are you doing that, but you're also combining it with elements of keto and only eating eight hours a day. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot for anybody. You know, it's funny because we talk to a lot of people, a lot of our clients who 
are really accustomed to those all or nothing type of diets. Mm -hmm. They think that if you're on a diet, like you're on it. And if you're not on a diet, you're off of it. And there's not really an in-between. And just like you were saying with Whole30, this is definitely an on diet. There aren't, there isn't a lot of room for wiggle room. There's not a lot of room for error mistakes, even though the recommendations make a lot of sense and there's not a whole lot to argue with it's really restrictive and extreme and it's going to be for somebody who wants to spend a lot of time in the kitchen, who wants to be disciplined and probably is coming from a place that's already close to how this uh, diet recommends eating. And I might be putting words into her mouth, but I think her argument in that is that once you hit menopause, you have to put in more work. So if you hit menopause and then you continue to exercise or not exercise and eat in the same way that you were before menopause, you're automatically going to be gaining weight every year, somewhere between one and five pounds. And so in the end, that's going to equal you being at higher risk for diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and all of these lifestyle conditions that you don't want to experience later in life. And so by doing something like this, that's a serious commitment it will get you results. Whereas a lot of people that are in menopause are like, I don't understand. I just gained 20 pounds mm-hmm. over the past couple of years and I'm not doing anything different. Mm-hmm. This is kind of her draw the line in the sand. If you actually want results, do this. You know, it kind of pains me to say this, but it's, she's not exactly wrong. No, she's, she's not. not. I you know, agree. she's not wrong. I, I think it's one of those things where it's one of those hard facts of life that your body changes. And just like an athlete has to change how he or she eats after they are done playing their sport because they don't require the same amount of nutrition, the same types of fuel, as we go through the aging process, so do we. And I think women, we just get dealt that hand where we're more likely to gain a lot of weight in that time of our life compared to a man, even though anybody who's gaining or getting older is going to experience a slowed metabolism, experience those hormonal shifts. Women just feel it harder and all at once. I think anyone who's 30 or over can look back and say, yeah, I can't eat how I did when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I think the older you get and going through menopause and having those hormonal changes, you also can't eat how you did when you were 30. And those things continue to happen. Now, the the one thing that I do take issue with because I feel like I have a lot of experience with is the intermittent fasting, the 16-8. Because, you know, I've done a deep dive with intermittent fasting. I've worked with a lot of people and I've done a ton of research on it. I wrote a course on it. I have found for most people that 16-8 is just not sustainable and people end up overeating in that eight-hour window. And what she's trying to do is a fancy way of calorie restriction, Mm -hmm. which after, you know, 6 p.m., there's not a whole lot of good stuff that usually happens, and so it's just cutting all of that crap out. And it's just a fancy way of doing that by Mm -hmm. saying that you're fasting. But that being said, I think waiting until 9, 10 a.m. for some people makes them a little too hungry, a little too crabby, and then they end up overeating. But if they're only eating these whole foods and they don't have access to bread and rice and pasta and sugar, then it's going to be hard for them to overeat if you can only eat plants and protein. Yeah, but we know people. and Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> people, I know that's people, not what's going to happen. Yeah, people will go out and get food. It's just too easy to go out and get food. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I know that when I was experimenting with the 16-8 fasting, I think I was, it was before I moved to Orlando, so like four years ago, 
I would do so well in the morning. I wouldn't eat much in the morning. I'd go work out on an empty stomach, which is crazy to me. Then I would come home around 1230 or 1, and it would just be like... It's on. Grazing. It is on. I'd yep. have a healthy, fast-breaking meal, and then it was just like, all right, I'm going to get a handful of granola here, and then I have a bowl of cereal here, and then a handful... And all, it was really healthy things. It was really hard to portion control because my body was so hungry. Mm-hmm. Granted, I was working out, and there aren't any exercise recommendations with this diet. She doesn't give any specifics, at least that I saw. So if you're sedentary, you might not be as hungry. It might be easier if you're not burning through a lot of energy. But then at the same time, if we're trying to boost someone's metabolism and help them with weight loss, we'd want to recommend some kind of resistance-based exercise program, especially for menopausal women. Yeah, and I'd rather them just spread that intake out a little bit better throughout the day. And so maybe you take a 12-hour or Mm 14-hour fast. I found that that is just more sustainable for people where the 16 hours gets people really pumped and excited and maybe you do it for a month and then you kind of fall Mm -hmm. off the wagon. And at least for me, like like you said, once that meal started, it was just like, it was on. (laughs) And and then I was trying to like fit everything in because I'd be like, oh my god, like my window is almost done like I need to eat this frozen yogurt bar and then then I need to have a handful of chocolate chips because in five minutes I'm not gonna be able to eat anything else and what if I get hungry so Mm -hmm. I was just packing in the calories in that eight hour window for my clients who feel pretty confident in their ability to regulate their hunger hormones their satiety hormones typically what we'll do is when they're hungry in the morning they eat they don't have to set a time like they don't have to force themselves to eat at a certain time they don't have to wait till a certain time when their body gives them that signal eat but what's really helpful is to pick a time to stop eating mm-hmm. instead of a strict whole like 12 hour mm-hmm. window so after dinner close the kitchen or by 7 p.m just finish it off some people feel a little bit triggered like you and i did where they're like okay it's 7 p.m i've got four minutes i'm going to shove everything in my mouth (laughs) that's not helpful if that's your tendency then that rule isn't probably serving you but just choosing like hey after i eat my dinner meal to satisfaction where i feel full i'm just not going to eat kitchen's closed there's no reason to put fuel in my body that seems to work for a lot of people and then you inevitably fast usually for about 12 to 14 hours anyway yep so it's just a less restrictive way to go about it and you're still going to get some of these benefits that Dr. Haber is trying to achieve. For my brain, I think what works best for me, and I've used this with a, with some clients, is to have that one, allow myself one treat per day. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the night, like let's say I've had dinner by 7 p.m., I'll always allow myself to have like the square of chocolate or a couple Hershey Kisses mm-hmm. or the ice cream bar or whatever it is to just kind of end my day. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not hungry afterwards and I just kind of like want something sweet, it's like, okay, that feels like a good ending to mm-hmm. me and now I can shut it down. Whereas if I just eat dinner and I'm like, okay, let me try to not eat anything else and we try not to and then maybe an hour later I'm like well maybe I want to go to the freezer maybe I want to go to the pantry and if I've just had it then I can be like okay I'm satisfied I'm good I don't need to keep going back and then that extends that fasting period for another hour or two people think it's crazy that we do that you know really yeah I've had clients say like really it's okay to have (laughs) like a piece of chocolate every day and I'm like, yeah, having a piece oh my God, of chocolate. I would die. Yeah. I would die if I couldn't. Yeah, it's it just, it's you. It's like you said, it almost like seals the deal. You have your mm-hmm. piece of chocolate, you move on with your life. A little mental hack that has helped a lot of my clients is to think you can always have sweets again tomorrow. Whenever you mm. want, there'll always be chocolate tomorrow. You can always have ice cream tomorrow. Do you really want it right now? No? Okay, you can always have it tomorrow. Do you really need more right now? No? Okay, you can enjoy it tomorrow. 
That's really helped one of my clients. She does the daily accountability program. And it's so funny because she talks about how her husband just doesn't really care about food. And this is a a common narrative we see a lot. The spouse doesn't have any interest in food. They have a very normal relationship with food, if you could put that in quotes. No complexes. They don't really experience hunger to the same level or any kind of obsessions. And she would just kind of try to follow his schedule and try to match what he was eating because she just admired the way he did it. And Mm -hmm. she was so jealous. But it would backfire on her because she would wait until a certain time that he ate and ate what he ate. And then she would go crazy and eat a bunch of peanut M&Ms or whatever it was that she could find. And now she's learned, okay, you know what? I'm going to eat when I'm hungry, eat what I want. And there'll always be sweets every single day. I don't have to have them. That simple, well, it's not, it's a simple mindset shift. It's not easy to make. Has made it so much easier for her to just have a handful of peanut M&Ms and move on with her life and not obsess over it. And she's eating way less than she was before without trying, per se. She's still trying, just not in the same way. Yeah, I think what happens a lot of times when we tell ourselves that you can't have these things that you love all week, you end up on Friday night going for the banana Mm -hmm. split or the chocolate on chocolate on chocolate sundae with chocolate on top. I didn't know this was like an erotic podcast, (laughs) Megan. (laughs) The fudge. That's the Um. niche. (laughs) So I think people end up overeating sweets and treats and things like that on the weekend because it's then the free-for-all. Whereas if you just give yourself a little bit that you like during the Mm -hmm. week, you're not waiting until you get to Friday night to go overindulge. I think that works really well for most people. I think there are some people who really struggle with that in the beginning because it is such a shift. And as soon as you start allowing yourself to have those things, you might experience this, I don't know, kid in a candy store experience where you're like, okay, I get to eat all this chocolate because my dietitian said so. And this is my more relaxed approach to eating healthier. But it's important to know that when you go through that little phase and you kind of stick it out, the sugar and the treats lose their novelty more often than not. And pretty soon your interest in those sweets becomes a little bit less exciting. But there are counter arguments to that, too, where people talk about, well, sugar, eating sugar promotes cravings for more sugar and it's harder to break that cycle. So experimenting with different approaches can be really helpful. But if you're the kind of person who is restricted carbs, restricted sugars, restricted chocolate sweets, your favorite food, and you find yourself overeating them or binge eating them later in the week or weekend, this would be a really great approach. And you could marry it with something like the Galveston diet where you just include your own starches and your own sweets in moderation and that feels good for you. And you don't have to follow any kind of diet by the book. And that's why you you do those treats like that after having a really nutritious meal. Mm-hmm. And so that all your nutrients are taken care of versus that's a totally different story of like having mm-hmm. a cookie for your four o'clock snack. Like, no, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to have a Snickers bar or a piece of chocolate or a Yasso bar as my four o'clock snack. Mm-hmm. That does not work for mm-hmm. anybody. But at the end of the day, when you've already had a nutritious meal and you've fulfilled all the things that your body needs, then you're eating that for pleasure. You're not eating that because your body needs something from you. So that is a completely different experience. And so if you're having that experience of like, I'm eating these things and then I'm craving more of them, or you're the type of person you're like, I cannot have cookies in my house. I cannot have sweets in my house. There's a freaking problem. There's a problem with what you're eating. Mm-hmm. It's not a willpower thing. There is a problem with your body not getting what it needs because you should be able to be around food. Hey, Megan here, the co-host of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. So in our private practice, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and high achievers, and I recognize that many of the traits that made them successful in business 
were actually detrimental to their health. So I wrote a book about it. In my book, The Optimized Life, I pinpoint six different personality traits that hold you back from reaching your health and wellness goals, as well as laying out a series of steps to overcome those obstacles and help you reach your ultimate health and wellness goals for good. Whether you're in the beginning stages of a side hustle or a seasoned entrepreneur with multiple businesses under your belt, the optimized life will provide you with the systems you need to forever change your relationship with food, diets, and exercise. But don't just take my word for it. Here's an Amazon review from a reader. I can honestly say this book has changed my life. First off, everyone who knows me knows I don't read books often, and I had a hard time putting this down. I actually finished the book. I have tried every fad diet there is, and I've struggled with weight loss my entire life. I can finally say I found a sustainable and healthy way of living, and I'm no longer dieting. The education this book provides is all backed with research and knowledge and is really an eye-opener to a lot of things. I've never been a morning person, and for the first time in my life, I have not needed an alarm clock and have been up before 7 a.m. for almost a month straight. Who am I? The entire book, I kept thinking, is she speaking directly to me? It's so relatable and easy to read. I love that I feel so confident and no longer have to worry about quitting my diet or falling off the wagon because this is my new way of life. I worked with Megan before reading the book and all of her knowledge and this book helped me to lose 60 pounds. The 60 pounds is an awesome accomplishment, but my favorite part is that I don't have a bad relationship with food anymore. I'm still working on myself, but for the first time, I'm listening to my body and fueling it like it deserves. 10 out of 10 recommend this book to anyone, not only people trying to lose weight, but anyone who wants a healthier life. So don't just take my word for it. Get the book. It is available on Amazon and it is called The Optimized Life. Yeah, and if you're that kind of person, you need to do an audit of what you're eating throughout the day. You need to look at what you're eating either through a food and mood journal or through tracking and see if you're actually eating enough. And if you're not eating enough, add more nutrients in. And this might be something you experience with the Galveston diet just based on what we've heard clients talk about. When you're only eating protein and vegetables, your body might be craving carbohydrates. And if you're the kind of person who gravitates towards sweets to fill that need because you're following a low carb diet, then you might want to modify something like this and add whole food starchy carbohydrates to your diet. This isn't Wonder Bread. This isn't going to be white rice. It's going to be things with those actual nutrients like you were talking about. Quinoa, sweet potatoes, stuff that actually has fiber and fills you up. Because when you give your body what it needs, you're not going to be craving a cookie at 4 p.m. If you're craving a cookie at 4 p.m., you're either about to start your period, which means you still need to eat more nutritious things during the day, or you're not fueling well enough. Okay, so Galveston diet. Let's rate this thing. Let's say who who should try, who shouldn't try it. Well, it's hard to just put a number on it if we're going to rate it like 1 to 10. Is that what you mean? I can do it. 1 through 10, I'm going to give this a 6. A 6? Okay, why 6? A 6 because it's real food. Um, It's a lot of things that I would tell people are a good overall diet, um, but points deducted for having to fast for 16 hours of the day, points deducted for having to try to be in ketosis, and points deducted because there's not doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of allowances to go off plan or to f- fit it within your real life. And I see a lot of people doing this, committing to the diet, being 100%, and then maybe having some chocolate cake and feeling like they fell off the wagon and they can't continue to do it. So I don't necessarily see it as something someone could do for a year, but 
probably something more like a Whole30 that they could probably do for 30 days, which may help jumpstart them into healthier habits, but going from a standard American diet to this would be pretty tough. Yeah, I would agree. I think if we're going to rate it on a scale from 1 to 10, I'd give it about a 7, simply because, like you said, there's a lot of things you can pull from this diet and put into your own life. If it gets you in the habit of cooking, if it gets you in the habit of eating more vegetables, if it makes you explore different ways of cooking vegetables or preparing things that are less than traditional, cool. I think that's awesome. I agree with you. The fasting protocol is a little bit extreme. It's hard to take somebody from eating in a 14-hour window to an 8-hour window. So if there were other options for people to do a little bit more modified fasting, I think that would really help with the cravings or the potential risk of giving in to that piece of chocolate cake. In a similar vein, I agree. I wish there was something here to help people maybe realign with the plan if they did fall off track because we know that all or nothing, zero to 100 diet mentality is self-sabotage. And some people can stick to it forever, but most people cannot. That's the exception, not the rule. So if you're ever following any kind of plan, whether it's this kind of plan, whether it's something that we give you, whether it's something you create yourself or that your friend's doing, if you screw up, quote unquote, screw up, or you have a little lapse, what matters is that you just try again the next day and learn from your mistakes and maybe modify things so that you don't binge on a a two pieces of chocolate cake or whatever it was. Yeah, you really, you took the words out of my mouth there. With any kind of plan like this, allow for personalization of it. So maybe you're following something like this for five days out of the week, but then you're allowing yourself to go out to dinner on Saturday and go out to brunch on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is going to make it work better for you and for your lifestyle. Or maybe every day, like we talked about, you have a little chocolate treat at the end of the day. So allow for personalization so it doesn't feel like that 0% or 100%. Mm -hmm. One other thing I want to say about this diet that I want to give kudos to is that it seems like the only nutrition plan that really speaks to women going through menopause. I think the diet industry kind of forgets about Mm -hmm. those kinds of women Mm -hmm. and it's really hard and it's a learning curve and you know you and I haven't gone through menopause but we hear the stories of women who go through it and it's hard. It rattles your life and I could understand why somebody who is never had an issue with food, maybe never had an issue with their weight, or maybe always had an issue with their weight but was able to manage it a little bit, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden experiencing a complete shift in their body and you're becoming a new person, going through a different phase in your life, and you're like, what the heck? And then you feel understood by someone who is speaking directly to you. So I really like that, and I think she does address a lot of the benefits of an anti-inflammatory diet for things like hot flashes Mm -hmm. and other kind of hormonal shifts that cause discomfort. So I really appreciate that angle. And I'm glad that those women are are getting something and being understood. Yeah. I do think it's a little bit restrictive, but a lot of the points that she makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think overall, if you tried something like this, I think you would be on a healthier path. Just insert some personalization into it. Exactly. So at the end of our episodes lately, if you guys have been listening, we do these healthy or not segments where we take something where people are always asking, is this healthy? Is this healthy or not? And we answer that. And we forgot to plan one No, I got an idea. You have one? Okay. I was hoping you would. I got an idea. Um, Because I got asked about it yesterday. Those Bolthouse Farms drinks. Oh, the drinks? Yeah. So when you go... Oh, the drinks. When you go into the grocery store, it's like usually in the produce section and they have the ones that are like greens plus Mm -hmm. and strawberry banana. They're like Bolthouse Farm. I think Mm. they say smoothies on them. Are they like the naked smoothies? Yes. Very, very similar. 
very similar to those. So you can also like grab them in gas stations and things like that. So um, the pinnacle of health. Healthy or not. Healthy or not. Well, I've never looked at the nutrition of those, but let okay. me take a guess. Okay. I'm going to say that they're loaded with sugar and marketed to be way healthier than they are. Loaded with sugar. So the picture will be of like spinach and a bunch of different greens. And then the first ingredient is like apple juice. <laughs> or like apple juice from concentrate <laughs> like, okay cool like just go grab your kids apple juice and drink that yeah. but there's like a little bit of spirulina powder in mm. here to make it green um carbs wise i looked yesterday at one it was 70 grams Sheesh. of carbohydrate in there and not and maybe three or four grams of protein for the whole thing now they do have like a protein plus version that's like a cot they have like a coffee based one and those have more protein in them but still carbohydrate wise it's up in the 50s 60s 70s you know if i'm it's eating 70 carbohydrates I'm, it's not coming from a bolt house farm yeah it's a smoothie. lot for a smoothie especially because it's liquid yeah. and so your body's digesting those carbohydrates faster than it would be from something mm-hmm. that's solid that has more fiber in it so it's like okay if you're running into the gas station and you didn't have breakfast and you grab one of those the question was like, would you rather me grab that or would you rather me not eat anything? Ooh, <laughs> I would say grab that instead so of not I'm eat like, anything. I'm like, well, if you're in a Wawa, I bet I can find something better for you yeah. in there than the Bullhouse oh, Farms. Oh, in a Wawa, 100%. Yeah. I mean, if you're in like a 7-Eleven, maybe. It depends where you are. Yeah. If you're on a desert island, obviously. But there, it, I, that just doesn't do a whole lot for you unless you're about to go do a long trail hike and you really need seven. And still... It wouldn't even be the best. It's similar to Cliff Bars. So yeah. I always say to my clients, what are they doing in the front of Cliff Bars? <laughs> are they are sitting you, at their desk? Like, yeah. Are you hiking a mountain? <laughs> are you mountain biking right now? If you're not, don't eat that because nope. that's what those are for. Yeah. Um, I have a funny story about gas station snacks. My mom walked into a gas station down here in Florida and she was buying lottery tickets because she thinks for some reason that people win the lottery in Florida. But... Anyways, she could be the one. She could be the one. So she's buying lottery tickets and she told the guy behind the counter, like, I'll come back and when I when I win and I'll give you some money. And he was like, all I want is for you to buy these bananas (laughs) (laughs) because he apparently buys bananas every week to keep them soft because everybody wants healthy options. So he's providing them. And I guess these bananas just go brown every single week and nobody buys them. Did she buy them? No. Oh. No, she said if she won the lottery, she'd come back and buy all his bananas. But no, she wasn't going to just buy his brown bananas. Banana bread. No, gross. From the gas station bananas. Hey, I'm not above it. I've gotten gas station bananas. <laughs> I know. I have too, but that we are 100% in the minority. True. There. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know what's fun to do is if you ever are in a gas station judging people. <laughs> I don't. Okay, I judge. I do. I can't help it. I look at what people are buying and I'm like, that? Out of all the places that you could get something to eat, you're buying a gas station taquito? And it will look like somebody, you know, like in scrubs. I'm like, they're not, I don't think they're struggling for cash money. Anyway, yeah. Bolt House Farm Strings, if I could guess what they taste like, I'm going to guess they taste like the naked ones, which mm-hmm. are very chalky to me. Yeah, I, they don't taste bad, um, but that's because they're full of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they definitely don't taste bad, but um, I'm going to go not yeah. on this. If somebody had literally no other option, they just grabbed that Bolt House Farms, they were in their car on the way to wherever they're going and they didn't realize what it was, I would say, okay, drink it and eat it and just don't do it again. So I'm going to say not to. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, 
screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.